Welcome to the Weight Loss for South Asian Women Professionals podcast. I'm your host, certified life and weight loss coach and physician, Dr. Amruti Chowdhury, MBBS. I lost over 92 pounds using the mind management tools I teach. In this podcast, you will learn how to lose weight for the last time by taking control of your mind. Once you deal with the mental weight, the physical weight will be much easier to release. If you're ready for a fresh new perspective on weight loss, you're in the right place. Hello everyone, welcome to the podcast. Welcome to episode 10. So for episode 10, I have a special treat on for you today. I have my first guest speaker and it is none other than Corinne Crabtree. Corinne is a master certified weight loss and life coach, a motivational speaker and an all-round badass. She lost £100 on her journey and she is the highest earner at the life coach school and she makes over eight figures in one year. She is an inspiration and I'm so honored to have her on the podcast. Today we talk about the similarities between weight loss and making money. So I hope you enjoy it. Hi, Corinne. Welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you for having me here. It is such an honor. You are my first guest on the podcast, and I truly am completely and utterly honored to have you because you are one of my inspirations. So truly, thank you for coming on. Well, I'm, I'm honored to be the first. Yay! <laughs> That's nice. The first of many, hopefully. Yeah. So um, just so my listeners kind of know a little bit about you, I kind of just wanted you to kind of tell them a little bit about your weight loss story and then how that led into your business growth story, because you are the highest earner in the life coach school and have, ha- have made over $10 million uh, in a year. That is like a, a dream. So please tell us a little bit about your story. So I was always overweight. I like literally struggled with my weight from the, about the age of nine. Before that, not really, but it was only because we were really poor. And we didn't get to eat much. <laughs> so it wasn't because of like anything other than that. Then after the age of nine, I, we moved to Nashville from Alabama. My parents had split up. And so I was with, I had a single mom and a baby brother. And when we moved to Nashville, we moved in with my grandparents and my grandfather was retired and Every day, all he did was cook for us. I mean, he just like, you want hamburgers for breakfast? Let's go. I mean, (laughs) my grandparents, they just adored us. And one of the ways that they adored us was good Southern food. Mm. So I gained a lot of weight and then was really bullied all through elementary school because of it. Mm. Um, Throughout high school, my weight bounced around, but I was like, even in high school, I was never really below about 160 pounds. I was Mm -hmm. usually around like 175, 185. And then when I got out of high school, I like went up to the 200s. And that's when I spent all of my 20s bouncing somewhere between 250 to probably about 175. I think about the lowest I would ever get. Mm -hmm. So I just had a lifelong struggle with my weight. Um, I'd never played sports, so I wasn't active. Um, no, I was the kid that always got benched in PE. Like I didn't even get benched in sports. I got benched in PE. They just, didn't, I don't think back then they really knew what to do with kids that were overweight. There was only mm-hmm. like me and one or two other kids that ever had a weight problem when I was a kid. So um, I ended up getting married um, to a wonderful man who is um, my husband to this day. We're getting ready to celebrate 20 years. 
and we had a baby there like soon after that. Mm -hmm. And my weight was around, it was over 250 when my child was um, a year old. So Mm -hmm. I just had a breakdown one day. I was probably going through some postpartum depression Mm -hmm. and I was sitting there and I just knew that if I didn't do something that I was going down a dark road, even when I was in high school, I'd had a suicide attempt. And Mm -hmm. I knew real intimately um, that I had to keep a check on my mental state because it could go south if I wasn't paying attention. Mm -hmm. And so I looked at my husband after this day where I just couldn't stand myself anymore and just said, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to figure this out. I have got to figure out how to take better care of myself. I've got to figure out how to lose some weight. Like I just can't keep going. And he just said, you know, I, I know you can do anything you set your mind to. And so the next day I decided, what can I do today? That's a little bit better than yesterday that I feel like I could keep doing for the rest of my life. And it was that day where I really figured out, like, I don't think I knew how important that moment was, but it was the first time that I had ever tried to lose weight where I wasn't going to start. Like I didn't show up at Jenny Craig or Weight Watchers or Mm -hmm. order some crap off the internet. Like it was the first time where I was like, like, I just have to start doing some little things to feel better Mm -hmm. and to do some things that I feel like I can keep doing. And I knew my biggest problem was I always tried drastic stuff. Mm. And the first time it didn't go right, I just didn't have the relationship with myself to keep going. I was hard on myself. I would beat myself up. I would tell myself like, you'll never lose weight, you know, Mm -hmm. like what we all do to ourselves. Mm -hmm. So I decided I'm going to keep it so simple that it's real easy to convince myself to do it even when I don't want to. And Mm. I'm going to keep it so simple that I don't have to risk making a ton of mistakes in the beginning. Mm. Like I just knew I couldn't, like, I just wasn't in that space to be able to talk to myself in a way that would be like motivating. I just didn't have Mm. it in me. And I think that's okay. And important for a lot of people to realize is that we have to meet ourselves where we're at, not try to be someone that we're not in the beginning. Mm. So um, I started with walking. I started, uh, I kept all my food. I started noticing that like every night I loved eating ice cream out of Mm. the um, half gallon carton. And I remember this one day, I mean, I was so proud of myself. I was like, we're putting it in a bowl today. We're no longer going (laughs) to eat out of the carton. I know we can do that for the rest of our life. You know, it's just like, and I got like the world's largest bowl. I was like, we're going to eat out of a bowl. It's going to be this big one. It's a star, isn't it? We are not going back to the carton. (laughs) So all of that just started leading to me realizing that um, that what was really going to change was I was going to be changing how I related to myself. Mm-hmm. And when I changed how I related to myself, I changed how I was showing up. And I lost 100 pounds. And after I did that, I remember standing in the mirror one day, just a random day, no, nothing in particular was happening. And I was getting dressed. And anyone who's ever had issues with their weight will totally get this. I was tucking my shirt in, Hmm. into my jeans. And I was looking at myself like going, holy crap, like we're going to go out in public and we got our jeans tucked in. I was like, who are you? And (laughs) I was thinking how amazing I felt. Hmm. And I real, I started crying and I looked at my husband and I said, 
I want to help other women do this because I don't think other women feel amazing. I was like, this is the first time I've lost weight and liked myself. Mm. Like it's the first time that I'd lost weight and believed in myself and was proud mm. of myself. And it wasn't because I'd lost weight. It was because all the way down, I had decided to start talking to myself like someone who gave a crap, yeah. like someone who like loved herself and that was like the start of it. And soon after that, I started online, writing a little blog, answering mm. questions in forums. And next thing I know, I'm email coaching people. Yeah. And that was the start of my little business was just yeah. me making a decision that other women deserve to be able to lose their weight and feel really good about themselves mm -hmm. too. Mm -hmm. That is so transformational. And and you just like brushed over it and just said, I lost a hundred pounds. You lost a hundred pounds. That is amazing. So like, I kind of do the same thing as well. I'm kind of like, yeah, I lost 92 pounds. And then everyone's like, wait, what? So I just wanted to highlight that. That is absolutely amazing. So, and you've, you've maintained it, which is um, something that is um, that not many people do. So a lot of people, especially my clients, they're kind of like, they're able to lose the weight, but then maintaining it, that's when they struggle. So, um, exactly. so yeah, well done with that. So then what happened So with regards to your business? So how did you go from being that online email coach to being a $10 million um, dollar earner? Well, it, it was a long road. I've been yeah. in business 15 years. Yeah. <laughs> the first about 10 years of it, um, I was just like hustling like everybody else, mm. I, except I wasn't burning out and grinding. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I think that was always a strong suit for me is I was always so passionate about helping people. Mm. So I never felt like, like, I just never felt the burnout for real. Mm. But every day I treated my clients like as if they were paying me millions of dollars. Mm. Like I took every interaction with them so seriously. Mm -hmm. But I, I had like, basically at first I was emailing people and I noticed that the biggest problem that I had emailing them was that so many of them wanted this one-on-one -on -one relationship mm -hmm. that I just didn't have enough hours in the day to do that mm -hmm. anymore. Mm -hmm. So I thought, well, let's put them all in a group because mm -hmm. they're all talking about the same crap. They probably will benefit mm -hmm. if they know other people feel the same way. Mm -hmm. So what I did was every time my business presented a problem, I just solved it. I was like, all right, so the next step must be this. The next step must be this. Mm. I didn't overthink things. I was mm. always just thinking about how am I going to be able to keep helping as many people as I possibly can? Mm -hmm. So for about 10 years, I would make about 30 something thousand dollars a year. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. that was it. But I wasn't really thinking about it. Like I treated it like a business, but I wasn't thinking that Ooh, I could grow this. Mm. I had no business experience. I had no business coach. I hadn't even been exposed to coaching mm. yet. Like I was just basically taking 150 people in my membership, telling them to do what I did mm -hmm. and then talking to them all day. Like mm. that was my method. And I ran into Brooke Castillo on a podcast one day yeah. of the life coach school. Mm -hmm. She's like talking all this emotional and thought work stuff. <laughs> yeah. And I thought, man, this just sounds like stuff I did. Like it yeah. just, it suddenly it dawned on me. Like, I think I was changing my thoughts the whole time. Yes. I wasn't just doing these things, you know? Yeah. So I went to the life coach school and during the time during my, this was in an in-person certification mm -hmm. during that eight days, I learned like how to start teaching people 
that thought stuff, like I'd always been talking to them, mm. but I had no way of teaching them how that actually worked. Yeah. Like I knew how to give them examples of what I did, mm-hmm. but I couldn't teach them how it was happening. And life coach school gave me the how. Yeah. And so I came home, told the 150 people, we're changing everything up. Okay. We are now going to be doing like thought work. And mm-hmm. like, I just fire hosed them and lost half my clients. <laughs> yeah. And that's what you've got to do sometimes, isn't it? When yes. you're doing something new, you've got to like be willing to lose those clients to actually gain your perfect clients, right? Well, and that was what I, like when I came home, I had decided, number one, I was, I was literally going to grow the business. And mm-hmm. I knew to, in order to grow it, it was going to be because I was going to need a course that taught people how to change their mind. Mm. So when I got back, I got busy on all of that stuff. Mm. And I, and I, and it was not easy. I will say I cried a lot. I took it personally when people left me, Mm. it was a complete crap show. Mm -hmm. I mean, a complete one, but I was very willing to go for it because I knew in my mind it was the right thing to do. And you were doing it for your clients, weren't you? So it wasn't about you. So you were willing to go through that discomfort for them, right? Exactly. Because Mm. I knew that the future people, that's what they needed. And Mm. I knew that the people that in my membership at the time, the half that didn't want that just weren't my people anymore. But there Mm. was a half that really wanted it. And I Mm. didn't, the last thing I ever wanted to do was straddle a fence. It's Mm -hmm. like, we're just going all in. So mm-hmm. I did that. And then that's when I really, and it was the first time too, when I was um, at the life coach school where I had been introduced to the idea that this is a real business mm-hmm. and that you can actually set goals and decide how much you want to grow. I yeah. never even occurred to me. Mine was all just natural and organic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of how all that came to be. And mm-hmm. then that's when I really started every year setting financial goals, Mm. figuring out like, what all do I need to learn to reach Mm. these goals? Like I had to learn about finances. I had to learn Mm. about Facebook ads. I had to learn about funnels. I had to learn about everything that everybody Mm. has to learn. Mm. And I just started learning that in, it was really 2016 when I really, Mm -hmm. 2015 to 16 was when I kind of took the focus and changed it in my membership. And then 2016 is when we were like, all right, now we're going to grow. Now we're going to scale. Now I got to learn the business side. Yeah. Amazing. So since then, you've just kind of implemented and then re kind of re-examined and then implemented and re-examined, right? That is all. That yeah. is like literally the formula. Like, yeah, do it. See what worked. Do more of that. What didn't work, tweak it. <laughs> yeah. And this is what kind of brings me to the similarities between kind of losing weight, gaining those skills in losing the weight and keeping it off and then growing your business. Because I've noticed that even for me, like I lost the weight first and then I was like, wait a second, I can actually achieve my goals. I can actually, you know, set a goal and go out and achieve it. And how can people not know about the magic of coaching? So why don't I become a coach? And so Mm -hmm. then like, I was like, okay, let me go out and do that. And recently I've made this, um, the tough decision of giving up being a physician and becoming a full-time coach. So it's kind of like, it just showed me the the like magic of it. So um, I just wanted you to kind of talk a little bit about the similarities between kind of losing the weight and then growing your business. I think one of the things that is most common is that one of the concepts I teach in business a lot is, uh, especially to my team and anybody that I end up business coaching is, um, this isn't personal. Like when things are happening, um, business decisions, business outcomes, things that happen, 
they're not personal. Mm-hmm. They are, there are process problems. They are things that we need to examine, look at and move on. The problem in weight loss is we take all of it so personally. Mm-hmm. Like we make the scale not moving mean we're a failure. We're destined mm-hmm. to uh, never lose our weight. We're not sexy, like bad mother. I can't tell you how many of my clients, mm-hmm. they take their, they equate being overweight to being a bad mother, mm-hmm. to being a bad wife. So mm-hmm. it's, we take our weight, we take our struggles with food and stuff personally. And we never stop for a moment to even think, what if these are just processes? What if these are just decisions? What if I'm a great mother and I happen to overeat? So let me just go to work on the overeating, mm-hmm. but I don't need to beat myself up over here in this realm as if they're interrelated. Mm-hmm. So I think like that to me is the most striking thing when it comes mm-hmm. to the what's similar between weight loss and business. Cause I'm like you, for me, so much of what I went through in weight loss has made me such, I think, a stronger business person. Yeah. And I, I will tell you, I think one of the reasons why I've had such an easier time believing that I can build a business, like I, I always look around at um, not necessarily my peers, but a lot mm-hmm. of like, like I look at a lot of the newer coaches mm-hmm. and I think so much of their mind drama, I just didn't have. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because when I solved weight loss, it was the first time I left that blew up the whole idea of that was something I completely believed I would never be able to do. Yes, and once I did it, I was like, oh my gosh. So this whole time I was just wrong. Like <laughs> I could have like yeah. not believed that years <laughs> ago, you know, yeah. like it just finally, like it, I, I think that was like so stark. So when mm. I started my business, I didn't spend a lot of time thinking I can't do it. Mm. It's not for me. Mm-hmm. I've never been able to do it. Mm. You're not educated. Like I just didn't spend a lot of time in that useless brain space. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mm-hmm. mean that those thoughts never came up. Of course, it's just yeah. when they did, I, I just, I think what I realized in weight loss so fast was, well, you got a lot of thinking that doesn't mm-hmm. work. So yeah. like, let's highlight what's not working. And then now we're going to think like this new person. And so then when it was happening in business, it was just like, it was faster to do it. Mm. It just makes sense. Like I didn't have to negotiate it so mm. much. So. It's because you'd practiced it so many times, isn't it? And those neural pathways then get got built. Like, okay, yeah. these thoughts come up, but I don't need to actually believe every thought that comes into my brain. It's literally right. just a sentence in my brain and I get to decide whether I want to believe it or not, right? Exactly. So you chose to believe things that will actually serve you to create that business, right? Because you'd had that um, experience in the weight loss. That is amazing. Yeah. And, yeah. and even just t- be willing to tell myself those things. I watch, this is one mm-hmm. of the things I think um, that I've done in business that also is super helpful in weight loss. Mm-hmm. A lot of my clients get so upset when they have a new thought that they don't believe mm-hmm. they, they spend so much time being upset that they don't believe their new thinking. Mm-hmm. I'm like, really? We're going <laughs> to be mad that we don't believe something new yet. It's mm-hmm. like, what if we just are open to the idea? Maybe one day we will like, mm-hmm. there's such a nuance there. And I tell them like, So if you're going to spend time being mad, you don't believe it, then you risk going back to how you were thinking just because Mm -hmm. it feels believable. Like if if all you crave is to believe it Mm -hmm. right now, then yeah, you'll go back to your old crap, Mm -hmm. but you'll never believe anything new unless you're willing to look at something new all the time. Like eventually it will lock in, but they... They just don't see that. Like, Mm. I always tell people there's phases to believability. 
the first phase is just being open to the idea there's something else out there. Mm -hmm. Like you could live there forever Mm -hmm. and that will be enough to separate you from your old crap right there. Even if you don't even keep going, you just like, I'm just always open to believing. I don't have to believe that one, you know? Yeah. It's better than that one, isn't it? (laughs) It's way better than that one. (laughs) Exactly that. And then when you move through that, tell us about the other, the other stages of believability. So I teach, like, this is something neat that I teach. And I literally just, I've been thinking about believability for a long time, because I think it's one of those concepts that, especially in weight loss, like it's business and weight loss, but Mm. I teach it in my weight loss group that I think eludes people. So Mm. we always have like, well, you know, our old crappy thoughts, Mm. but this, and these for you, for your listeners, we call it old crappy in our business, but it's your automatic thinking. Mm. And I love the idea of having what's called just automatic thinking. So that means that my brain's just going to offer it up. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean it's real. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean it's true, but all of us have it. And mm-hmm. the hardwiring for automatic thinking is based in mm. preservation, safety, mm. like your brain's supposed to be afraid of things to keep you mm. out of trouble. So it would make sense that you every single day are going to go through the world and have a lot of automatic thinking mm-hmm. that when your reasoning brain looks at it, makes no sense whatsoever, mm. but your emotional well-being is like, that makes all the sense in the yes. world. <laughs> so exactly. We have to find that first. And then we have to find that new thinking. Like, what would you want to believe? Like, mm. let, let's find that new thought. Mm-hmm. And I don't care if you believe it or not. Like mm-hmm. for now, let's just put something on the paper. Mm-hmm. So I always have them write it in two lists. Mm-hmm. Then in the middle, so you're going to have four columns. Mm-hmm. Outside flanks are old thinking, new thinking. In the middle, though, this is where I think people have to really work at transcending. Mm-hmm. First, we have to go to your new thought. And you look at each and every single sentence on that side that's mm-hmm. proving something true. Mm-hmm. And you think, where is my evidence that this could possibly be true? Mm. And so you start looking through your life and it, it, you have to challenge yourself because the more you believe your old crappy thinking, mm-hmm. the more your brain will throw up roadblocks, but you yeah. really have to take every new thought you want to believe. Like, let's say I want to lose weight is the, um, mm-hmm. the big thing, but your overarching arching beliefs are, I'll never be able to do it. I totally can Mm-hmm. So everything underneath that is like, so what are all the things you want to think about when it comes to you totally can? What are mm-hmm. all the crappy things that come up for you when you think you can? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then for all of those, you've got to come up with that evidence. Like what is true in my life that says like, like if you believe I totally can lose weight, mm-hmm. maybe one of your thoughts is um, because um, sometimes I make a plan mm-hmm. and you want to say like, all right, or what is the evidence? Well, last Tuesday, I did make a plan. Mm. It helps you start seeing like there are possibilities this can yes. happen. Then you have to do the same thing on the other side. So you take all the busted beliefs, but you have to go through and you have to tell yourself, here's all the evidence why that's not true. Not true. Yes. So mm. what our brains need when it comes to believing something is it needs evidence mm-hmm. to what is true. And mm-hmm. it needs evidence that this one's not true. I don't care how much you believe it. Mm-hmm. There is a reason why I can prove that's not true. And over here, I can find reasons why I can completely prove that this is true. I have my clients do this um, on the regular. Mm -hmm. And it really, what it does is it shakes the foundation of Mm -hmm. a hardcore belief. Yeah. Because like when you are like, I've got evidence for something 
that I want to believe. And I've got all this evidence to the contrary of something Mm -hmm. that I really do believe. Mm. It makes your brain wrinkle up and it Mm. has to start thinking new ways. Exactly. And what I do with my clients is I get them to write about that every day. So when they're doing their thought downloads every day, I get them to to kind of disprove the beliefs that aren't aren't, uh, working for them and actually look for the evidence. So similar, but probably not in that specific format and look for how the beliefs that they want to believe could be true. And then the more that they do that, they're kind of building those new neural pathways. So that kind of like that just becomes the norm, right? Well, the brain loves evidence. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's what the brain's doing. And so it's, um, I was watching a YouTube video this morning on um, about the future you concept. And one of the things that guy was talking about is that our brains are great at remembering and terrible at imagining. Mm. So like a lot of times, like our new belief is something that we imagine we want to believe and it's so terrible at it. So it craves certainty and it will go to lived experience to try to create Mm -hmm. certainty. But Mm. that doesn't mean that that means that your new stuff's true or not true. Yes. Your brain has to see, like, there's always some evidence that if, if you call your shot and want to believe something new, Mm -hmm. you always can find evidence to prove it. Mm. Otherwise you wouldn't even imagine it to begin with, Mm. but we just have to deliberately and consciously do it. So I think you and I are teaching the same thing. I just put it into a chart. <laughs> yeah. And, and just to kind of add to what you're just saying, um, the brain often doesn't know the difference between reality and imagination. So what I teach my clients is if it doesn't know the difference, you can kind of just imagine it and visualize it. And actually then that will become your truth because the yes. more you, you kind of like say it to your brain, if it doesn't really know the difference between the two, it will think that that's your reality. And then that will become your reality, right? So yeah, we, we do. Um, so one thing that we do for like, visualization is that like with urges for weight loss clients Mm, mm. I tell people all the time like you're imagining and you're visualizing all the time you have a crappy thought your brain automatically is picturing nightmare on elm street yeah like if you think you know like (laughs) hope I don't overeat tonight your brain automatically sees you on the couch with cheetos I mean it's like so (laughs) we are all visualizing manifesting Mm. and doing the like all the woo whether we want to admit it or not I just tell people why don't we do it on purpose in the morning rather than just doing it haphazardly? So I tell them like, I want you to imagine what it's going to be like tonight to Mm -hmm. want a Cheeto, to be walking to the couch with the Cheeto, Mm -hmm. to be craving the Cheeto and you saying no, putting it back, Mm. like let's create the whole visualization process because what you're saying is real. Our brains, they, it does not know. Mm like reality. And so give it some dress rehearsals for what you want it to do. Don't just like have these thoughts and that like, you have no power to think Mm. anything new, to redirect, to do any of that. You have so much control. We all have so much control. It's almost scary, Mm. you know, and that's why a lot of us shrink from it. Yeah, And that's why I I love the power of coaching. Cause I was like, Oh my gosh, when you learn about it, you're like, Whoa, this is just kind of blow. It blows my mind every day, even when I'm doing my, my own self-coaching. So I think that's what, um, when they start coaching, they're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. Okay, so what I wanted to kind of like go into next was the obstacles that you had, um, that you overcome in your weight loss that then showed up in your journey in your business that kind of made it much easier for you to kind of, so you touched on it where you said that um, you were able, you didn't indulge in like a lot of the drama, but were there any other bits that kind of came up that you'd overcome, which helped you? Yeah, I think one of them was, um, so 
and I still work on all of this to this day. So I don't want everybody to think that I'm yeah. just like, you know, planted my flag at the yeah. top of the hill yeah. already. But it's daily work, isn't it? Yeah, it's daily work. Um, nitpicking my body mm-hmm. was a big deal for me. Mm-hmm. And for especially after I lost weight, um, mm-hmm. like I was really proud of myself and stuff. But one area that like took me a long time is I had a lot of loose skin, all kinds of stuff was like not nitpicking my body and nothing ever really being good enough. You know, it's like, well, I'd lost the weight. I could wear the clothes I want to wear, mm-hmm. you know, like all, like all kinds of things were happening, but I was just like, but, and I would like zero mm-hmm. in on little things in my business. I watched myself kind of do that again. Mm-hmm. And I, it, I've been able to see that pattern mm-hmm. and really work through understanding when am I nitpicking my business? Mm-hmm. When am mm-hmm. I experiencing success? but not allowing myself to feel it because I think something else needs to happen. When am I blowing out of proportion? Mm -hmm. Certain things like I'll look at my numbers and think like, Oh my God, we're failing or whatever. Mm. When in reality, we're not. It's just like, maybe I didn't reach the goal I set, Mm -hmm. but this is all really good. Like I was telling somebody earlier, it's like, I happen to be one of those people that set really big goals mm. but I've recently learned how to be like shoot for the stars but don't dismiss all your progress if mm. you like when I hit a big goal like it's just like it, it's almost like it's like an anomaly you yes. know because it's like you know because I set them so big yeah. but what I've done is I've like crapped all over myself mm. because if I'm not hitting some kind of astronomical number it's like mm. if I'm hitting something that's great Mm. then I've already decided that's not good enough. So Mm -hmm. I watched myself nitpick through business Mm. for a while. And when I did finally experience burnout, it was around, um, it was about three years ago. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it was because of that. It wasn't because I was working, like working all the time was the symptom. Mm -hmm. What I realized is I was working all the time because I was so hard on myself Mm -hmm. about accomplishments and success and like had to do it. Mm-hmm. I was making it mean way more than it needed to mean. I was blowing mm-hmm. things out of proportion. And I did that with my body for a long time. Yeah. And when I realized that was happening, I really realized I had to, I had to develop a relationship with my business where mm-hmm. like I cared and nurtured for it, mm-hmm. where I didn't browbeat myself with it. And I didn't mm-hmm. nitpick it. And I didn't mm-hmm. like treat it like an insolent child all the yeah. time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Exactly. I think I've been working through the exact same thing because I um, set huge goals as well, you know, these impossible goals. And I'm, um, you know, I always say to myself, you know, I, I actually have it in my mind that, yeah, actually, that's your goal. It's not thinking like it's an impossible goal. And the whole aim of it is to kind of grow yourself and, you know, yes. become that person. I'm like, yeah, but that's your goal. And so then when I don't hit it, instead of thinking about, oh, my gosh, you've had this huge growth. I'm like, yeah, but so I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm actually working through the same thing right now. So that's really interesting that you bring that up. So um, I kind of wanted to um, kind of talk specifically about my listeners about there's a a huge stigma in the South Asian community. And it's kind of like there's a underlying kind of thing where you don't talk about some certain things. So one is money. And there's kind of like an underlying um, like um, thing where you're like, you need to have loads of money. Everyone's like, yes, we need to make loads of money, but we need to hoard it and save it and not spend it on things that are actually going to serve us. And like, you know, we'd rather spend it on a car than spend it on something like coaching or something that's actually going to serve us. Um, And also, um, I've noticed that kind of like there's a lot of scarcity thinking now that may not be just in the South Asian community, but obviously because they're my clients, I've seen it a lot. And it's kind of like 
the concept where when you're thinking in a scarcity mindset, when you're thinking there's not enough, that will just make more of not enough. And yeah. so just wanted you to kind of um, touch on how, um, how to kind of build that abundance in your mindset so that you can create abundance and like how to kind of um, think about money in a way that will help you create more. Well, it's interesting because I like the biggest, probably the biggest hurdle that I've ever had in, in business mm -hmm. is um, overcoming like money scarcity. Mm -hmm. I grew up really poor. Um, mm -hmm. So it like, I have no shame about taking, well, I won't, I'll say this. It, the last few years I've overcome shame talking about money. I mm -hmm. used to have this idea that um, I didn't want to talk about how much money I was making. Cause I didn't mm -hmm. like, I didn't want my clients to feel bad and stuff. And then mm -hmm. I started realizing I don't want other women to not know that it's possible. Yeah. Like I had to shift the belief of, you know, first of all, my clients can do simple math. They know how many members there <laughs> yeah. are. So it's yeah. not like, I, I was like, what are we really hiding here? Yeah. You know? And that I realized that I had to quit being ashamed mm. that I, and I think it was tying to a self-worth issue for me mm. that I was making the level of the amount of money that I was making as if that was a bad thing. And I think it was because I kept thinking that like, I still kept kind of thinking that I wasn't like I wasn't good enough yet. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. I've always battled the I'm not good enough. And mm -hmm. that it stems from that early childhood bullying around my body yeah. and abandonment from a parent. Mm -hmm. And like I had all mm -hmm. kinds of reasons to to build a story mm -hmm. or a whole belief system around you got to always be proving yourself. You've always got to mm -hmm. make sure people know that you're good enough because they'll forget you, you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So I think for me, it's like I had to overcome the 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 fear of losing money. Mm -hmm. That was a big deal for me. Um, I had to do a lot like that belief stuff that I was telling you about. Mm -hmm. That was a lot of the work I did over two years is just to show mm -hmm. myself. Um, I had to truly believe that I was good at making money. Mm. A lot of times I thought I was lucky. A lot mm. of the times I thought I needed a boss to tell me what to do. Like mm -hmm. I just had all these things. I had to really start believing like, are you really good at making money? Why? Like, and I, like I had to challenge myself and write about it all the time until like one day I started realizing like, you really are, you're just smart. You know, you just know how to do these things. And that was something I had to adopt as a belief. Um, I think also like it, it made sense to me to start talking about um, women having the capacity. There's, First of all, there's not many of us out there really making money. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're in the, I think, I think there's, I watched something the other day. I'm in the 1% of the world. Mm -hmm. You're in the 6% with Woo! any woman that can make over a hundred thousand mm -hmm. dollars, like any woman is over 6%. You're probably being South Asian. Mm -hmm. like, like you take all of that. Like, I don't even know what your percentage is. It's <laughs> minuscule. I mean, but I started thinking about it and I was like, am I going to like worry about what my clients might think? Mm. Or am I going to start putting myself out there so that more women can change their generational wealth, more yes. women can end poverty in their family. Mm. Like that's what I got passionate about. And I was like, and my clients can think whatever they want. And probably the majority of them would be proud. Yes. Like they're here to lose weight. 
I don't like, there's nobody sitting there going like, well, I've decided I'm losing weight, but I'm quitting mm -hmm. because I just really feel like yeah. Karen makes too much money. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> exactly. no one's going, like, and I had to like write those things down. Like I literally mm -hmm. had to have those conversations with myself. And it's like, mm -hmm. and if somebody thinks I make too much money, then let them think that. Mm. I know. And that's when I had to get an integrity with me too. I had to do a lot of challenging myself on mm -hmm. like, do you really believe you are offering the best? And mm. I got rock solid on like, yeah, like I, I live, sleep, eat and breathe these people. Yes. You know, like, like when, like I just, it, it was such a good challenge for me to allow mm. myself to have all that fear mm. and that worry mm. because it made me shore up like the person I knew mm. I was to be. And I got really locked in on her mm. and I got really like, I got such strong belief there that it wasn't that I was like, all like, no, F all them. If they think that it was more mm. of like, I just believe in me so much that me and the people who believe in me also, mm. we've got a, an enjoyable ride to go. And those who don't like, I get it. Yeah, of course. You know, and, and that's okay. Mm. You know, so I think that that's a big thing Amazing. that has yeah. been the big things for me at least. And then that brings me on to, um, you are launching um, a certification for LCS coaches. So tell us a bit about that. It sounds so amazing. Yeah. So for all the Life Coach School certified coaches, um, I did a like a beta round um, mm -hmm. earlier this year of advanced certification mm -hmm. and it went so well and I loved those girls. Yeah. And so um, we're launching again. It'll be the only time this year and we won't go again until next um, summer, but mm -hmm. it's four months. And the first phase of it, the first half, we are diving into just being an amazing coach. Like, mm -hmm. how do you uplevel your written coaching skills? Mm -hmm. um, you're going to learn all of, like, all of the things that I have collected. So we have um, courses on ending self-sabotage as it pertains to mm -hmm. what do weight loss people go through. Mm -hmm. Same thing with self-love. Like, what is our process on self-love? What's our process on, on regain? We have a whole mm -hmm. regain solution because mm -hmm. sometimes crap hits the fan and people mm -hmm. just, you know, revert, but how do you get them back on track in a way where they love themselves and are motivated versus forcing themselves, yeah. demeaning themselves and mm -hmm. getting stuck before they even get started? Um, all like our whole no BS program, everything. So we are doing that along with our coaches that mm -hmm. are one-on-one um, -on -one coaches are teaching everybody systems. Our coaches have 35 clients a piece and wow. they just coach all week, yeah. but their systems are on lock. Mm -hmm. So we are going to be teaching like, how, how do they systematize? How do they set mm -hmm. up? What is their onboarding process? Mm -hmm. How do they offboard a client? Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. all the things that are going to help you give them a client an amazing journey. Mm -hmm. And then on the phase two is all about the business side, because you can be a great coach all mm -hmm. day long, but if you don't know how to be someone's best coach before they've paid you a dollar, you'll mm -hmm. never get the money. So you have to mm -hmm. learn how to start showing up in a freebie. You have to learn how to show up in your uh, social. Mm -hmm. You have to learn how to show up in email. So we're going to be giving people systems and frameworks on how do you create a webinar? How do you like, like what simple processes for all this? Because mm -hmm. what I see a lot of coaches go through in the weight loss space is they, they, they just want to help people, mm -hmm. but they don't have systems and they don't have processes mm -hmm. and they don't have 
they don't know how to become their own thought leader. They don't know how yeah. to like find their voice and what's making them unique. And that's what's mm -hmm. included inside of our advanced weight loss certification. Sounds amazing. So everyone listen up, go and check Corinne's advanced certification out. It sounds so good. So Corinne, just to kind of um, end off, I kind of wanted to, I know you're really hot on kind of self-care and daily self-care habits. Um, and I kind of just wanted to kind of, um, you know, find out about your daily self-care routine um, and some tips for my listeners so that we could um, kind of maybe learn from, um, from the amazing person that you are. I think first and foremost, like when it comes to self-care and self-love, like it has to come from the mental construct yes. because one of the things that I watch people do is like, I can tell people all day long, the action line. Like I can mm -hmm. tell you all kinds of beautiful things. Pinterest mm -hmm. is full of all yeah. the ways to care for yourself. Yeah. But if you're trying to take a bath bomb and all you're doing is sitting there thinking about all the things you should be doing mm -hmm. and that somebody in the house is probably dying without you. And like, if you can't be with yourself mm -hmm. during self-care, that's a problem. Yeah. So like first thing that I like to think about is like figuring out the and I think, I know this sounds crazy, but first and foremost is figuring out how nobody else is going to suffer when you take care of yourself. Mm. Like that for women, I think is like the biggest problem with self-care is mm -hmm. that we equate, well, when I do self-care, when mm -hmm. I take care of me, everyone else suffers. Or when I take care of me, someone won't like it. And mm -hmm. so when you're in this situation where if I do for me, people are going to suffer then I'm going to suffer while I'm doing it because I'm thinking about the suffering. Mm -hmm. You will not take care of yourself, yeah. no matter how many good ideas you've got. Exactly. So clear that up first before you even try mm -hmm. to start doing it, because that to me is the ultimate in self-care, mm -hmm. learning how to think you are deserving mm -hmm. and that you can take care of yourself while also being an amazing mother and while also yes. being an amazing person and stuff, mm -hmm. they get to go together. Mm -hmm. But after that, my biggest self-care these days is Netflix. <laughs> nice. I love it. <laughs> I, like my husband and I, like by six o'clock at night, don't text, don't bother us because <laughs> yeah. six to nine, we are just like, Bleh. I mean, love we it. just love to just like, just turn it the world off mm. and get lost in a show. Yeah. Um, I have an amazing facial routine. I adopted oh. in my forties because mm. stuff started to change, <laughs> but I started telling myself like, you know, like my face, this is how I care for it. Mm. And, you know, like, and I've gotten to where I enjoy it. Mm. And I would say the other self-care thing that I do is, um, most days I do take a fast nap. I start my mm -hmm. day wicked early. So I start at usually 4.35 in the morning okay. and I journal first. I drink mm -hmm. coffee and journal. So that's part of my self-care. Yeah. I love to make sure that my goals are attended to, my food mm -hmm. is planned for the day and mm -hmm. whatever I need to think about is like, like I get it out of my head and mm -hmm. decide how I'm going to think for the day. Mm -hmm. Then I move into working and I work for a while. And then about seven o'clock, mm -hmm. I hit the gym. Like I exercise every mm -hmm. day. Um, I usually listen to podcasts and stuff while I'm mm -hmm. exercising. So I'm filling my head with good mm -hmm. stuff and then I get ready and I work most of the day, but about Corinne is pretty much a limp rag around two o'clock. I yes, just me don't too. do well at two. Yeah. And so I think we're twins. I've got nearly the exact same self-care routine to you. It sounds phenomenal. <laughs> yeah. So I either go to the pool. I have a pool okay. And I either lay out by the pool for a little bit, get in the water and just, I just literally just lay there mm. or I go take a nap. 
And yeah. it's not like a long three hour nap, but it's like 20, 30 minutes. Mm. And then I wake up, I drink some water and then I decide like, usually I don't plan anything on my work calendar after that. Mm -hmm. Cause I pr pretty much put in a full day. Mm -hmm. I either will work on something fun. If mm -hmm. I feel like it mm -hmm. read, if I feel like it, and if mm -hmm. I don't, the day's just over and I just do whatever I want to do at that point. Thank you That's so much, much, Corinne. That sounds like amazing. You've given us so many gems on today's podcast. And I really appreciate you coming on and giving us all of your kind of like generous knowledge and your thoughts about kind of all of these topics that we talked about. So I really appreciate having you on. So thank you so much. Thank you. Take care. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this interview. And if you would like more information on Corinne and her advanced weight loss program, then go to the show notes and head to my website, www.amruticoaching.com. Thanks. Bye. For more free resources and for information on how to work with me, visit www.amruticoaching.com.